Okay. Uh, welcome to RUF. Um, my name is Matt. I'm the campus minister with uh, Wofford RUF. And RUF, we're trying to figure out what it looks like for us to love God, love others, and love Wofford. But before we do that, we want to sink our teeth and our hearts and our minds in the reality that before we love God and love others and love this place, Jesus loves us. And so whether it's sermon or common prayer or a conference or a Bible study, we want you to see and hear and experience the love of Jesus Christ. And we're continuing this series in Genesis 1 through 11. Last week um, was on work. And if you weren't here last week, um, tonight's going to be fine, but um, it will make most sense if you've heard last week's sermon on work. Tonight, we're actually going to look at God's first words in the scriptures on rest. The first words on rest. And we've seen so far God's first words on himself, who he is, on humanity, what it means to be made in God's image, what it looks like to work, what it looks like to be in relationship with other people. And tonight, again, it's on rest. Uh, I want to share something with you all from, uh, from my friend Jordan. Okay, so um, just go with me on this. But This is what Jordan uh, describes as Sabbath Island. Okay, you ready? I want you to imagine... For a second, you're drowning in an ocean, and it's nighttime, it's pitch black outside, and you're drowning in a sea of midterms, of papers, of deadlines, of fatigue, exhaustion, late nights and early mornings, mixers, social pressures, fear of missing out, blue lights shining from your cell phone all hours of the day, with one more snap to open, one more TikTok to watch, one more text to respond to, and imagine that as for as long as you can remember, you've been drowning in this sea, in this ocean. You have been treading water now and you're surviving, but you can't do it anymore. You're wearing out and the sea is pulling you under. But then the sun comes up over the horizon and you catch a glimpse of an island. You couldn't see it in the dark, but there it is about a hundred or so yards away. And on this island, you see trees to climb, uh, streams to swim in, birds to watch, and ponds to fish in. You see basketball courts and hiking trails and tennis courts and a, and a golf course. You see a hammock where you can take a nap if you'd like, a book to read if you'd like, a journal to write in if you'd like. You also see a church. And through the windows of the church, you see a table inside. And on that table, there's bread. And on that table, there's wine. And you see your friends and your neighbors, people like you and people not like you, eating the bread and drinking the wine. And then you walk out of the church and towards a row of houses in a neighborhood. And inside these homes, people are sitting down on long dining tables and they're eating lunch together. The people seem relaxed. They're not in a hurry. They're not checking the clock. They're not wishing they were somewhere else. This is the island that you see, and Jordan calls this Sabbath Island, Sabbath Island. And it sounds pretty great. Like, as I was talking with Jordan about this and uh, about Sabbath Island, and when he, uh, we're going, he, Texas RUF is going through Genesis 1 through 11 as well, and Jordan and I have been talking about this series, and Sabbath Island became like a thing for UT Austin RUF because of how nice it sounds, Sabbath Island, because many of us, especially maybe more than any other time of the semester, 
I don't know if this is the most intense part of the spring semester, but it's all a grind, isn't it? And so it really doesn't matter what's going on on the weekends and what's going on in the Greek village and such. It's like a grind. The spring is a grind. We need Sabbath island and rest. And we're going to talk about rest in two ways, the path to rest and the basics of rest, the path to rest and the basics of rest. Let's do the first one, the path to rest. Here's the path. You ready? Resting in what is finished. Resting in what is finished. That's the path. Here's the most dad illustration of all time. Okay, when y'all are gone and I'm not preaching sermons and not meeting with you at Acorn, one of my favorite things to do is to cut the grass. And when I get done is I get to see the finished product that is my beautiful yard. Why is it so satisfying? It's done. It's over. And it actually takes, like on a push mower, like two and a half hours to do my, like, yeah. I'm either really inefficient or like a perfectionist or both. But I get to see a finished product and I get to breathe. And it's satisfying because the work is done. Sabbath, the path to Sabbath is resting in something that is done. That work is finally done. In Genesis, we see that resting, you got to rest in what's finished, what is finished. Look at, you, look at verse 31 again. Notice this. God saw everything that he had made. And then in 2, verse 2, And on the seventh day, he finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Remember, we talked about last week, for six days, God had been at work. Sun and moon, night and day, darkness, light, stars and galaxies, animals and plants. God has been at work. And Genesis tells us, as it goes on, that on the seventh day, he stops. He rests in the finished work that he had done. That's the rhythm. Like resting in a finished work is built into the fabric of creation and the fabric of who you are as those made in God's image, a God who works and a God who also rests. He rests. It's done, finished, complete. Now, resting and Sabbath, this resting in what is finished is not just a Genesis 1 and 2 thing. We actually see this in the life of God's people Israel, God's covenant promised people that he's bound himself to. And they had an Easter. And that Easter in the Old Testament for God's people was the Exodus. That was their Easter. And the Exodus, if you're familiar with that story, it's when God delivered Israel, his chosen people from, from Egyptian bondage. And after he rescues them, he gives them 10 commandments. You're like, man, that's kind of harsh. I just, you saved me and you're going to be a bunch of laws. But actually he wanted to give Israel laws to help them live appropriately in God's world, to help them breathe. And one of those commandments to say, I want you to rest. I want you to keep the Sabbath holy. Why? Because my rescue is over. My work is, I have rescued you. I've delivered you. And I want you to stop and sink your teeth in the realities that I love you. And you don't have to save yourself. Stop, relax. That's Sabbath. It's in the context of salvation. That is not in process. It's salvation that is done. It is finished. And that's what we see for you and I as the church. As God's people in the New Testament, we see this. That's exactly what Jesus says 2,000 years ago on the cross. He says it's finished. It is finished. And he meant it. It's not going to be finished. It is finished. So God's people from Genesis to the Exodus and what we hear with God with Jesus on the cross, we rest in a finished work of salvation. That's how we can rest. You rest in what is finished on your behalf. So if you are a Christian, 
If you, have a, if you have ever had a speck of faith in Jesus Christ and you're like limping through this semester following Jesus, you can actually rest in the fact that it is done. God's work on your behalf is completely done. It is finished. Right here and right now, you can know that Christ dying for you, finished, complete. Christ keeping the law on your behalf, finished, complete. Christ rising and defeating death for you, finished, complete. All of the Old Testament prophecies, all the Old Testament prophecies and promises are fulfilled completely and comprehensively, finished, complete in Jesus Christ. The work is done. We can drink this in and stop. We can actually take a nap. Why? Because he's done everything and he really is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus actually describes himself as the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of or in the Greek that's better translated of Lord, master of the Sabbath. He's basically trying to say with that title, I can give you soul rest on your insides and your soul and your heart and your mind and existentially that you can't produce for yourself. You are not a Lord of, a, of the Sabbath because you can't produce rest. You can't make rest on your own. You can't obey enough to get rest. You can't keep the law perfectly to get rest. You can't be spiritual and I'm going to give you rest. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, only he can do that. Only he can say that. That's the basics or that's the path to rest. Resting in God's finished work. It is done. Now let's do the basics. Here are the basics. Ready? Pray, play, pay attention. Pray, play, pay attention. Those are the basics of biblical rest. Pray. Pray is my catch-all term for just Sabbath worship. Sabbath worship. That means to keep it holy, it means we go to church. It means we actually gather with God's people around word and sacrament. Sabbath Island, the church, had a table with bread and wine on it. It means we go to that church with God's people. We actually gather with people who don't look like us, who actually we might be allergic to socioeconomically. We're, we're different from them, whatever it is but they're our brothers and sisters. We gather with them. And here's why. Sabbath worship, here's what it does. Listen to Westminster Shorter Catechism. It asks this question, what is the chief end of man? A lot of y'all have heard this question. Here's the answer. The chief end of man, i.e. the purpose of man, is to glorify God and enjoy him, and f- enjoy him forever. Here's what Sabbath does. When you get it into the rhythm of your week, and we're gonna talk specifically about what that might mean, to actually practice Sabbath in college, which is truly a countercultural thing to do, especially here. If you do that, you are practicing glorifying God and enjoying him forever. You're, you're praying. You're gathering with God's people. You're saying, I want to slow down and enjoy that the work is done, that I can actually rest. It's actually a deliberate renunciation of a couple things, several things actually. When you practice Sabbath and you simply gather for worship, you're saying a couple of things. You're renouncing this lie that your rest is found in your boyfriend and your girlfriend and your GPA and your resume. You're saying, I'm refusing to believe that lie. I want to believe it. It's tempting to believe it, but I'm going to hear word and sacrament and taste and see the goodness of Jesus to reorient my heart and my mind because I need it. And I refuse and I renounce the lie that I can get rest on my own terms. That's what Sabbath worship does. Glorifying God and enjoying him forever. If you get that, not just, and we'll talk about it again, it's not just corporate worship. 
it also is involving not just praying, but playing. Playing. Pray and play. Rest involves play. Now, the Bible calls Christian maturity childlikeness. Talked about that. Children are weak and needy and dependent upon their parents, and that's what Jesus wants from us. The way up is the way down. Strength is weakness. The prideful are, are not exalted. They're humbled. The humble, the, those who are embracing humility are actually exalted. It's an upside-down kingdom. And childlikeness also results in play because you don't have to teach children to play. They just play. And Sabbath keeps us from being cynical, burned-out adults whose hearts are so cold to Jesus. And they keep us childlike, not just dependent upon him, but actually enjoying God's world. This means we actually can hike and fish and drive and take photos of sunsets and sunrises, and we can take a nap and trust that our Father is not going to let the world fall apart. Because if he feeds the birds, he's going to keep our bodies alive if we just, like, watch an episode of The Office and, like, relax and enjoy God's world and play. That should make sense if you've been in this series because God's world is so good with like creational goodness that God is giddy about that he keeps calling good. And we have a weekly rhythm of going to play in this creational goodness that God has made, that he loves. As I was thinking about this, the play dynamic of Think of study abroad. This, is, this struck me just in year five here. Study abroad programs here, whether it's like a whole semester or during interim, and then your interim classes here at Wofford. I'm convinced that one of the reasons y'all love those programs so much in those classes and why it's like a thing at this college is because those classes and going out of the country is allowing you to have permission to play. That's why you can't stop taking photos because God's world is amazing. And you've been given an entire semester or a whole month or a whole class like woodworking classes where you can get your hands in God's good world and you are made to do it. I love, that's one of my favorite things about this curriculum that, curriculum that you guys have. And I think that's one of the reasons you love it so much because you were made to do it. You were made to play in God's good, good world. And we have a weekly gift that's called Sabbath Island that we actually get to be children again. Okay, Andy Squires, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but he wrote this little kind of poem slash essay and it's called Waste Your Life. And it, he's, he's using that, um, uh, he, he's, he's, he's saying, he's going to describe a life that's well-lived, but it's well-lived, but it's a life that sounds crazy to a world that's obsessed with efficiency. Waste your life. Here's what he says. Waste your life on poetry. Waste your life shoveling snow. Waste your life watching birds and playing board games. Waste your life praying. Lord, give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Waste your life imagining just how completely forgiven your neighbors are and act accordingly. Waste your life turning abstractions of blessedness into concrete realities. Waste your life among those who cannot fix themselves because people are not the projects of our ministries. 
Waste your life speaking precious words that transfigure the unloved ones into being beloved ones. Waste your life. Friends, waste your life on play. Go to Sabbath Island and play. Waste your life on poetry and all the rest. Because here's the thing. Rest will actually feel like you're wasting your time. Because what is everyone else doing? They're not stopping. And nothing in you is going to want to stop. This is like, this isn't just a countercultural act. It's actually counter to, every, counter to everything that your heart wants to do, if you're honest with yourselves. So we don't want to take our foot off the gas, okay? So here, pray, play. Last, pay attention. Pay attention. What do we pay attention to? To God's work. To God's work. Opening our eyes to how beautiful your life is. That walk that I talk about almost every week on campus, opening your eyes to see that it actually is good and that Jesus loves you and gave you that walk on this campus and the friendships that you have and listening to the tone of your dad's voice when you call him on Sunday and how his voice may is, maybe it's high pitch when he gets excited or sort of growls when he's grumpy. Listening to your friends verbally process about the movie that you don't care about (laughs) and the quirky interests that your sister has that you don't have and celebrating your differences. Pay attention to the beautiful intricacies that is your life. It is on purpose. Pay attention. That's Sabbath. Pray, play, pay attention. Okay, that is the path. Resting in what is already finished. We're not trying to earn anything. We're not trying to obey enough to get rest. It's already done. It's ours. That's the path. Basics are play, pray, play, pay attention. Three things for so what? What do we do with this application? First, we have got to recognize and just be honest about the fact that there are real threats to Sabbath and rest. There are real threats culturally and personally, and we need to just name them. I, y'all talk to me about what those are. Like, why are we so restless? Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard here? Why is this so hard in my life? Why am I so restless? Why can't I stop? We talk about that. Let's keep talking about it. I want to name a couple of cultural ones. I would just say the first one would be performancism. Performancism, and this is just to say I am what I do. I am what I do. Overworking, studying, busy work, busyness culture, getting ahead. If I am what I do, I can't stop. That is the conclusion. If I am what I do, if I am my GPA and I am my resume, then you can't stop, friends. If that's fullness, if that is the only way you're going to get rest is like that thing, that hamster wheel that will end in burnout, you really can't stop. Performancism. The second, I would just say works righteousness. Works righteousness. That is to say, I can earn my salvation. I can be spiritual enough. I can be holy enough. If I can earn my salvation, I can't stop working. I can't. I can't be holy enough. I can't stop, not even for a day. If I am what I do, I can't stop. If I have to earn it, I can't stop. Friends, Jesus really either, he either meant those words on the cross, it is finished or it is garbage. What are we even doing here? And if it is true, you can take a nap and you can pray and you can play 
and you can pay attention if it's real. And the reality is when we resist this and you feel this, this is what we feel when we are so restless. Of course you feel restless because when we refuse to Sabbath and rest, we're going against the creation. We're going against the fabric of how God has made us because we're not, we're not machines that are meant to be working 24-7. God didn't make, if God, one of my seminary professors says this, God can do more in six days than we can do in seven God can do more in six days than we can do in seven. If God rested, can't we, right? Okay, rest has real threats. Second, rest takes practice. Here's where I want to get very, just I want to like, I, I, last thing I want, because this is hard, I am restless. Like my MO is like overworking, so I, I get it. So I want to be gracious, okay? I don't want you to feel any kind of unnecessary shame from anything that I'm saying. And I want to encourage you by saying, Rest takes practice. The power often is in the repetition. Of course, it's going to feel unnatural. If you do this long enough, though, your week won't feel normal without Sabbath. Trust me. So I I want to say this. I want to get very, very practical about this. Okay. Some of y'all are like, I can't do church and I can't do Sunday rest because it's the catch-up day for Mondays. Like, Mondays are coming, right? Totally get that. I'm going to be very practical. What would it look like for you to say, how can I take a 24-hour block on the weekend? Maybe that's Friday lunch to Sunday lunch as Sabbath, as rest. Being very practical here. What if you do Saturday lunch? You work in the morning, Saturday lunch to Sunday lunch after church. After Sunday lunch, it's game on to get ready for Monday. But you did 24 hours, and if you're thoughtful about pray, play, and paying attention with that 24 hours, you're doing it. You're doing it. It just takes like a little thoughtfulness to do Sabbath here. You actually have autonomy and agency, but it takes practice. Be gracious to yourself, okay? I would love to keep talking about this. I care a lot about rest and what happens when we don't and even the practicalities of it, okay? And start where you are. You do not have to be an expert on this. I know y'all perform, y'all perfectionists out there. Look, y'all don't have... Just, just start right where you are. I'm going to read you a poem from Malcolm Guyte. I love this. He emphasizing, he's emphasizing how doable this is and starting right where you are, so don't give in to shame stuff, okay? It's called the singing bowl. I love this. It's not in your handout. I wish it was. It was too big. It's not super long. Y'all just go with me, okay? Here's what he says. Begin the song exactly where you are. Remain within the world of which you were made. Call nothing common in the earth or air. Accept it all. And let it be for good. Start with the very breath you're breathing in now. This moment's pulse, this rhythm in your blood, and listen to it, ringing soft and low. Stay with the music. Words will come in time. Slow down your breathing. Keep it deep and slow. Become an open singing bowl whose chime is richness rising out of emptiness and timelessness resounding into time. And when the heart is full of quietness, begin the song exactly where you are. Go to Sabbath Island exactly where you are. It doesn't have to be a project. Last thing, promise. Jesus is our rest. You're like Sabbath project is not rest. Even my like pray, play, and pay attention, that ain't, that's not rest. 
Jesus is our rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. (coughs) All right, Sabbath Island. It's this weekend. It's there. It's available. Guess who's there? Jesus is there. In that church, on that table, with those people. Let's go. Let me pray.